And we're back again talking time with Lucas and Alicia. How you doing, darling? Hey, not bad, not bad. Mate, another Sunday and I get to look at your ugly head. How you traveling, girl? <laughs> yeah, I'm really good. Hey. How's your day? What'd you get up to? Anything exciting? Oh, well, the weather is cooling down now. So um, we spent a day at home painting. So we all know I love doing my arts and um yeah, working on um, another large, exciting piece. So I can't wait to finish that one. Fantastic, mate. We had something we don't do much here. We had a PlayStation day. Me and the boys sat down at a PlayStation day. <laughs> I and we love just it. Chilled and, <laughs> mate, we played Lego Incredibles, believe it or not. And that's what our day was. So it was good for chilling. Uh, day. But, hey, you know what, though, right? This, it's actually a funny segue in. My boys are starting to really get into music. So my boys are starting to love some some old tunes. And funnily enough, my seven-year-old's favorite song is The Hurricane by Bob Dylan. And yeah. he loves it. And he talks to me about it and talks to me about it and talks to me about it. And I just know how music plays a role in things. And it's actually really strange that the next guest we've got on is a, a close mate of both yours and mine. He's a work colleague, yes. a work colleague of ours that works um with some, some of the at-risk kids that we work with. And he comes at it from a distinctly different place, but has amazing results with a lot of kids, regardless of size, color, you know, their, their, their talk, what they've done or what they haven't done. And that's the great Specs MC. How are you doing this morning, my hey, friend? Hey, welcome to the show. I'm good, guys. How are you going? Mate, good, brother. Good. It's good to see you uh, smiling and represent the New England Patriots, which we always like. <laughs> I got represent, bro. I forgot you forgetting the Arsenal team as well, bro. Come on, come on. Ooh. Oh yes, okay, man. All right, all right. Now, hey, <laughs> we have a thing here, specs on this story, bro. We we don't own anyone else's lived experience. I, as you know, I have previous incarceration lived experience that we share. All of our listeners, we have eight countries we cross over now with our listenership, and we have families, parents, academics, inside, outside, all over the place. So. We love hearing people's stories, man. And what makes you, you? Why would we have got the great Specs MC onto our show? Tell us about you, brother. All right. Wow. How long have we got? Half an hour, you said? We have, my friend. It's all you. <laughs> we going to be here a minute, yo. So basically, <laughs> I got into music. I was 19 at the time, uh, raised, born and raised in East London. And basically, um, I was going to college. I was madly in love with this girl at the time. And she was like, oh... You want to get with me? You got to do business studies. My parents ain't gonna allow you because I'm from like a Muslim background. Man. My parents were quite strict, and her parents were even more stricter. So she's like, "Oh, you want to get with me? You got to do like business and that." And I thought, "Oh my God, do I really have to do this?" So I went to college, and I just found that was not for me. All we ended up doing was most of, like most of the college kids at the time was just everyone was bunking in the local part, smoking and drinking, and that. and it just didn't it interest me business at the time. I was really interested in music in high school, secondary school in the UK. But the, the most, the, the kind of stuff you do at, at high school, it was like learning how to play like the the, the intro for Home and Away or, 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 or Neighbours <laughs> or something like that. It was, it was dead. So I thought, man, how am I going to get into this properly? Anyway, so got a bit older. I left for that, went to college. And then um, we had like, in the UK, we've got quite a lot of like youth clubs, right? When I was younger, I remember we used to go to the youth clubs. It was free, didn't have to pay. Well, you did have to pay if you wanted to go on certain activities, whether it was it was hella cheap, right? So it was all right for people like my mum who were on the old benefits and had six bloody kids, right? Yeah, yeah. So um 
So when I turned like 18, I went to this youth club. It was my, co- my, my friend's youth club in his like suburb, in his neighborhood. Went there and they were doing a workshop there. It was a 12 week workshop where you got to learn how to produce your own beats using a piece of hardware called an Akai MPC, right? And that was it for me, man. I just instantly fell in love with that. And at the end of the 12 weeks, I didn't know this, but if, if the material that we produced was good enough, they would allow us to perform it live in a venue in the UK. Oh, Pretty wow. decent venue. And I, I later on found out after the 12 weeks that it was actually run by a band called Asia Dub Foundation, right? It was an education project. So the, the band was known as ADF, not the Australian Defence Force, Asia Dub Foundation. And it was called AdFed. The ADF Ed. Lula, shush, shush. Sorry, the dog's going hey, That's nuts. Lula. For anyone that doesn't know, Lula, Lula comes into... Uh, he Lula is one of the great teachers in our school as well. Comes in and talks to the kids and has great relationships with the kids too. So um, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> she's just getting a bit, she's a bit mad right now. But um, yeah, so what was I saying? I found out later that basically this band were running it, just employed teachers and, you know, kind of mentors to run these workshops. Anyways, I fell in love instantly, right? right. First time getting to make, I was like a drum and bass drum, uh, MC from back in the 90s where when we were growing up before YouTube and all of that malarkey, our street music were the pirate radio stations, okay. right? So you'd tune into your favorite radio station. You'd call them up, ask them to give you shirts. You'd record it on your cassette player. It was nuts, right? All of that back then. So when I finally got to start producing my own beats, I was hooked. I did the whole 10-week course. So we wrote our own composition, and then I got to write my own lyrics. At the time, I was just doing kind of drum and bassy, kind of jungle MC, which was a lot of freestyling and whatnot. But this is the first time I ever structured my own song, and I was taught to write my own song as well. Now, the band, I found out later. I'm just going to let the dog in because she's whining. Go on, in you go. The band, I didn't find out who this band was, right? Asia Dub Foundation, done a bit of digging and whatnot, and found out, holy shit, man, this is like a live drum and bass band. They're playing live instruments. I've never seen it because all I was used to was a DJ just spinning vinyl. Live band, five-piece band, playing like bass, guitar, drums, a sequencer, and a DJ. But they were like playing live drum and bass. I've never seen anything like it in my life. I was like, whoa, this shit is deep. And then on top of that, they're talking about the lyrics in the song and all the different um, original compositions. They weren't just the normal bollocks that you'd hear like on a pirate radio stations where people are just, just seeing for the sake of it, getting up a vibe and whatever, right? This band were talking real conscious, real political issues, social issues. And I was only 19, I forget the time. I was like, wow, I didn't even know music like this existed. So anyways, long story short, I then um, completed the 12 weeks. The band then came along to see us perform it in the club. And then they came up to me and my little crew. There's about five of us. They're like, hey, man, you youngsters have got something, man. Feel free to come back and use the studio whenever you want. And that was me, man. That was my my second home, bro. When all my friends are out there getting up to all sorts and running the market and dealing and this and that and getting into criminality and shit. Uh, You couldn't tear me away from this place. And then I found out where the studio was. It was in London Bridge and Union Street. The band had one of their rehearsal studios right on the top floor. And that was where we would uh, run our workshops. So anyways, I was there day in, day out. I then, you know, as, as the year went past, the band kept coming in, popping in, checking in. us and going, oh, man, you kids, how you going? Blah, blah, blah. Do you want to open up for us? And it got to the point where they asked us to open for them, like in, all the, in a little mini university tour. Again, I jumped at the chance. I did that. And then I got, I got exposed to the whole music scene and you know what it's like you know I, I saw them with their manager i saw how the manager took care of them and we were getting paid on top of this i was like what i'm 19 
I'm touring the UK universities at age 19, seeing a whole heap of pretty gal everywhere. I was like, what? <laughs> jumping on the stage, jumping on the stage, getting paid for the gig, and then getting paid like we get these things called per diems, right? Spending money on top of that. I was sold, man. So anyways, we wrote, wrote about three songs. They were all conscious. One of them was about a boy called Ricky Real who was stabbed and thrown off Tower Bridge. It was like a racist attack. I wrote a song about that. So they kind of inspired me like, holy shit, you can write stuff with a bit of substance, but still have the beat be kind of rocking. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and then they took us on that UK tour. We did about three dates with them. They were really cool. And I had my my five, um, you know, boys and my little crew, the band, we called ourselves the Invasion, I-N-V-A-S-I-A-N. So there's a bit of identity there, you know, so I felt like this was something that was ass. And then as, as the time went on, there were some boys part of it, they, they weren't as serious as me. And the band obviously could see that. So then lo and behold now, uh, the band had been together since 95. They won a Mercury Award and they were like the best new up and coming jungle punk band, you know, Primal Scream, co-signed them and all these other big bands. They did a tour with Rage Against the Machine in America. I've just missed that tour. So they were like hot shit at the time. And then I think one time they invited us to go to France, me and my boys. And we went on our own tour bus from King's Crosses where all the tour buses leave, all the band tour buses. Bro, what I'm telling you, at age 19, man jumped on this tour bus, yeah? It was a double-decker. It had beds on the top floor, bunk beds. It had two massive screen TVs <laughs> downstairs, upstairs. It had a lounge. It had a bar. I was gassed. Like, I was like, holy shit. This is nuts. I live in London, right? So then this bus now drives over the border, goes to Calais, France, and then we met the band in France. I went to sleep, woke up next day, boom, man was in France. So we met the band, and then, like, I'm seeing what it is like now. Now I'm getting a taste of what it's like across the waters, right, in other countries. And then I saw how big the band was in France. They were huge in France. They were signed to Virgin France. So I saw them headline just like, it was like, like oh, not as big as the O2, I reckon, a big arena, though, for Paris. It was one of their big arenas. They were the headline, and they had this other act. That's when I got exposed to other other world, um, other um, country music as well, that weren't English-speaking. So I got exposed to French hip-hop at age 19, and I'm telling you, man, shit, it is some crap. Like, they're after America, France is the second biggest in hip-hop around the world. They are so... Like, they've been doing it since the 80s and 90s. It's nuts. So, so I watch a band now, which is the... Specs, mm. let me chuck you, let me jump in for one second, right? Because you said something that you something that interests me hugely. Okay. So we have a whole lot of people, we have a whole lot of people that come from real diverse backgrounds and real backgrounds that they're looking mm -hmm. for a vehicle to get out of the shitty spots they're in. So you found mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. found music, right? So you found music. How do, how mm -hmm. do you go about now? How do you go about using your skills and the stuff you've developed in music to actually help kids that like with a young you, if that makes sense. What do you do? How do you go about doing this yeah, to try yeah, yeah. and help it as a vehicle? Well, so this is what I was... All right, I'll break it down because obviously I was talking... I was trying to go through step by step with my whole life. That's beautiful though, man. I love it. We could talk for that. Yeah, we do. I don't know. So what I was trying to get to is like, now, long story short, the band then fucking say, hey, you're awesome. We want you to be our lead vocalist. Our previous MC is doing a bit skits. We can't trust him. He's a bit of a liability. Do you want to front this band? I was like, what? Happy There's days. a bear shit in the woods. So nice. I'm now on my first tour. I'm on my first tour now. I'm rehearsing with them. We went to Brazil on a tour. It's my first time. I'm 19. Happy Can you imagine what it's Brazil. like for a 19-year-old rocking stages in Brazil? Oh, to Belo Horizonte, <laughs> Rio de Janeiro, Recife, and Sao Paulo. Those four cities. It was my first tour. 
And then we went by the British Council because this band, they've won Mercury's and blah, blah, blah. They've known it's a lot. Of they're like the UK, basically, the UK public enemy. They're out here trying to fight social injustice and whatnot, yeah? So we got invited by the British Council. And I went over there to the favelas of Brazil and I did a workshop. Same shit that I learned on this little MPC, uh, little MIDI keyboard and a mic and the decks. We took it out to like, well, I'm saying like, the, sh the freaking favelas of Brazil, bro. Yeah, man. We couldn't go in there. We needed permission to go in there. We had an armed guard with us to get in there because obviously wow. they're run by the drug. The drug is nuts. It was, bro, I'm 19. And I'm like, what the F is going on? Where am I? How have I got here? And now I'm going to be headlining, uh, supporting this this huge um, a Brazilian band, also like, you know, about their social injustice issues and whatnot called Ohapa. This was like 20 years ago. Stadium shit, and I'm oh, like, no. what the f what? So this is why the reason why I say all of this now is I've been doing that for years. I was with a band like seven, eight, nine years. We we went to like did workshops in Cuba, Africa. So I've worked with kids from all different backgrounds, all different creeds, all different races, and the knowledge that I've attained from there, being able to relate to most of these kids from this whatever background they're from, I can relate to most of them through music. Mm -hmm. And I bring that, I bring that into the education that environment because I came from a broken family. My father left my mum when I was six months old in the country. She couldn't speak English. So I was the youngest of six. Oh, wow. My father just told my mum, yo, yo, I'm going to work in the factory. Jumped on a plane, never came back. Oh, wow. So first time I saw him, I was eight years old. I didn't know who the hell he was. My mum was crying. I don't want my mum's friends there. It was a madness. So I said, it's ugly old person sitting in the living room, rocking back and forth, big old eyes. And I said, who the hell's that? My sister was like, that's your dad. Oh, wow. I was like, holy shit. And then they told me, go to bed, because it was kicking off. I went to bed, woke up, he was gone. Never saw him again until I was 18. Sorry. So my mom is a soldier. She raised six of us by herself. We, we weren't raised a traditional custom Islamic way, hence why we got a bit more freedom than anybody else, maybe the person who I am today. And... Um, yeah, so, you know, I've had trauma growing up, you know, I've had some other trauma as well that I won't go into, but the kids, when I talk to them, they can see it, you know? Yeah. You can't fake it to these kids who have gone through shit. There's yeah, a saying, like, real recognize, yeah, real recognize real, they can spot, you know, if you're not genuine, like, I've always worn my heart on my sleeve, that's what, I think that's my biggest attribute, you know, and in, 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 in the organisation where we work, you know, I tend to draw, wherever I go, I tend to draw kind of one kind of bunch of students first, you know, that kind of similar scene, right. kind of hip hop, kind of breakbeat drum and bass. But then all the other little groups, I am always mixed. I'm always talking. I'm all about inclusivity. When I did my interview for that job, they asked me, what is your best attribute? And I say, I've got the ability to make everyone gel and get along. Mm, I said, no matter yeah. what background they're from, whether they're goths, whether they're nerds, whether they're boffs, whether smart, whether they're dumb, whether they're poor, whether they're rich, I can talk to all of them and make everybody feel at ease. So with me doing that, able to tour the world, jump on a Mercury winning a band, tour the world and rub shoulders with superstars to then come back, start teaching. And I started at the bottom, you know, when I got into this teaching thing, when I, when I was like closing off on my band in 2006, one of my friends, a DJ, he was an EA at a school, a care school. He's like, man, you should get into this shit. And I'm like, I got no qualifications. How am I going to do that? He went, bruh, once you tell them who you are and what band you play for, they'll snap you up in a heartbeat, all these agencies. I didn't have a clue. So I joined these agencies, went for the interview, got no like experience except from what I said 
uh, on my resume where I've, you know, I've, I've got, I've gone with the British Council and done workshops with vulnerable young people out there and done a workshop in Cuba here and done a workshop in South Africa here. With that, I got signed to the agency and with the agency, they then sent me out to different schools. Yeah. So it was like mm -hmm. a day by day thing. And if the schools like you, then they would then like, right, look, we want to specifically have this guy from your agency because he's got along well with the kids. And what usually happens is with these agencies, if they like you enough, the school that you work for and you're there for a long while, the school can buy you off the agency. Boom, that's what I did. That's what happened to me. I was at a school, not even half a year, and they were like, you're great. We want you as a music teacher here. All at-risk kids from age, from year seven to year 12, mainly gang. It was all, their main problems was, was all gang shit because where I'm from in Hackney, East London Town, it was all... It was all mainly gangs and drugs. That's all it yeah. was really over. There wasn't so much trauma in terms of sexual or physical. It was it was mainly gang stuff, you know? Okay. And then, yeah, well, I started at the bottom, man. I was at EA. And then, like, you know, some days they were like, oh, can you teach music instead? And I was like, all right, cool. I'll cover some music lessons. Not qualified, though. Found out I had a knack for that. Then did that for about four or five years. Worked my up, went up from like EA to like you know music teacher because you know in these care schools it's up to the, to the headmaster to yeah. you know how they employ you kind yeah. of. Mm -hmm. So then my mistress was like, no, why don't you just do your diploma, go up your money, and you know you're already doing half of it anyway. So my wife, she was an ESOL tutor as well. She was teaching English as a second language to a lot of immigrants that would come over from Syria and Africa and Nigeria and Ghana who are doctors and lawyers in their country. But to come over here, their degree ain't work line. They've got to do like a one year. Absolutely. Yeah, they've got to do like a one, two year diploma, which is recognized here. So my wife was already like teaching that. And she put me in touch with her university lecturer. I was like, look, let my husband uh, do the, the level five diploma. And even though he hasn't got the uh, the um, the educational background, he's got bags of experience. He's been doing it about <laughs> seven, eight years. Boom. I did that, man. I aced that shit. Got my level five diploma now. And then, yeah, man, my last school I was at in the UK was one of the toughest schools in East London, predominantly, predominantly all black and Jamaican kids, all gang shit. And um, <clears throat> I was there four years. I started off as a music teacher. And then the last two years, I got promoted to behaviour and engagement coordinator. So, you know, I, I love working in this environment, man. You know, if I can help these kids and show them that, look, someone that looks like them, someone that's come from the same background as them, mm -hmm. someone that was raised without a father, and if I, and this is all before YouTube, like this, the musical success I had. I tell them all the time, I said, I did all this shit before YouTube, bro. You kids now, you make a hit song and a video, boom, you're famous overnight. Gone, that's it, that's Done. it. <laughs> hey, we got, so we have a lot of parents as well that listen to this, okay, who have got kids who are who are struggling or they're trying to find a way to link with their kids or a way to to engage with them. And you do that through music. Can, can you give a, give a little bit of parental advice here as to if, a parent thinks that their their child is maybe in early intervention or has got some challenges with juvenile justice. How would you try and engage them in music to try and potentially follow a pathway like yourself or to get them away from that shitty environment that they're, that they're struggling with? Well, well, this is what I used to do in the UK, right? Why I had a lot of students and I mentored a lot and a lot of them were like, specs, I want you to be my mentor and blah, 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 is first you've got to find out what they're interested in. Right, because you've got to listen yeah. to these kids. Half these kids, right? Obviously, they're going to be playing all this explicit shit. Like, even in my lessons, I tell them, Look, what it is, I first I get them on board, and I get them on board by listening to their interests, what kind of music they like. Let me hear your interest. Because even me, when I was 19, 18, 19, when I grew up and I started touring the world, all I was interested in was hip hop, drum and bass. They're the only two kind of genres I ever grew, listen, uh, uh, grew up listening to. So, when I told them, and I was playing at all white rock festivals. 
in Germany and they'd never seen that band before and they just kind of stared at us like this, like, who are these fucking dark-skinned people killing it? And by the end of the 45-minute set that we're doing, the people that were kind of staring like that were full on having it by the end of it, right? So you got to listen to, 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 to what they want first and then slowly, slowly start shoving them stuff that's outside their box, stuff that's outside, making them explore shit they wouldn't usually explore. First in my, uh, what I've always done is, listen to them, you gain their respect, you gain their trust, then you can start weaving and showing kids, hey, you tried this before. Have you listened to that? Have you tried writing a song where there's no profanities? And the reason why mm. is there's money involved. There's money involved. The more, the more times your radio, your radio-friendly song is played in the radio, ching, that's money in your pocket. Whereas if you keep playing this song, which is suck your mom, f you, kill that person, stab that, wet this guy, shank that guy, dip that guy, beat on your girl, da, da, da. I said you're not gonna. So I'll, I'll teach them about everything, all the aspects of the industry, not just the live performance side of making a beat. I'll teach them about. Because what, what, number one, the, the kids that are into this, right? They're, they're into this because it's it's quick exposure and quick good money, right? That's why they're into this. So I tell them, there's ways of making money because I never had any of this growing up, right? I got bumped halfway along the way when I joined this band. I had the manager; he was like paying me less than the freaking than the road technicians. I found all of that out later. So I'm trying to teach all these kids the shit that happened to me, trying to give them like the heads up and the knowledge, so when they do go into it, they've got sufficient. Ammo up here so they don't get ripped off and whatnot. So yeah, telling the parent is get them interest. First, you've got to hear what they what what what, what they like, and it ain't gonna be your cup of tea, let's be honest. <laughs> and then slowly, and then slowly you start delving into ah, oh, have you tried um, what about listening to this thing? Your eyes or listening to that eyes. But the first key thing is this is why I was actually thinking, you know, at my current school about opening this kind of outreach project. But anyways, we'll talk about that another time. That's something else. But um, yeah, it's listening, man. Key thing is listening. These kids think that uh, most adults that they've met in their life abandon them and have no interest yeah. in what they've got to say. So you got to stick that shit out, man. You got to listen, listen, listen. And if you see them and they've got a specific talent, whether it's uh, playing the drums or picking up a bass and guitar, get them into some lessons, man. I know, you know, these kind of kids, the kind of backgrounds they're coming from, they're probably money is going to be tight. But nowadays, again, blessings for freaking YouTube. Most kids and most artists learn all that shit online now. Yeah. You pick up the guitar, you can you can, they're all self-taught. So for those kids that, interest. I expect for those kids that aren't necessarily um, keen on going into the music industry for their future or, or career, is music still important for um, a means or a vehicle for expressing themselves? Oh, 100%. Like, this is one of the main things I ever got into this. Like I teach these kids, once they learn about writing a beat, then it's about a lyrical like um, kind of composition as well. And then I teach them a very basic technique, which is basically it's just poetry, right? Mm-hmm. That I learned. And you know, most of these kids, when I do these little kind of classes with them, they're like shocked, like, holy crap, this is how you write a song. And then uh, at the organization that um, we work for, you know, it's, there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of social kind of worker, kind of clinician, kind yeah. of <clears throat> it's kind of that that kind of clinician kind of psych driven, mm-hmm. right? These kids in a, in a year that I've been there, these kids will not go and speak to these kids, to, to these people. No. For them, it's embarrassing, right? And like in my previous school in the UK, what we used to do is we'd never do that on site at the same place where their peers would be. We'd do it off site because yeah. these yeah. kids they don't want to do that. It's embarrassing, and it's and the nature of the kind of place we're at. We can never kind of block and shut the door. So at, at any moment, another peer of this could just burst in the room and hear that. That's it. Business. 
And not just right? that, they're so to see them go in for their appointment. They're yeah. to see them it's coming out. It's embarrassing for them. There's no They'll privacy. never do. They'll never do. Yeah. yeah. So they don't feel safe that they can disclose certain things and put their yeah. guard down there. And so since I've been there, I think I've learned more about all of my students through them writing a song than, yeah. than they've ever sat down and told me because... At the at the end of the term, when I have these little um, showcases, right, I've got a, a bunch of kids. Some obviously, you know, different abilities and whatnot. Yeah. But I tell you what, some of them, man, some of these stories that you hear, man, they're so moving. Yeah. And I say, look, man, you need to perform that live at the end of term showcase. They're like, oh, but it's really private. And I'm like, man, it's private, but it's touching. And I said, yeah. you don't understand how many people when they hear that, how how many people that will resonate with. Yeah. And I said that is why, that is why artists, I mean, musicians become musicians. They've got something to say. And the most successful ones with all the fans, I said, they're not fans. I said, the reason why they put those fans is because every word that they spit, every, 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 every note that they sing, it resonates with them uh, in some yeah. way. They, 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 they attach to it, whatever. So you, I, start, I tell them, it's your duty. You can't keep that shit to yourself. I said, you got to be true to yourself. Don't ever be fake. And don't think, oh, I shouldn't say that because very rare. So as a, as, as a form of expression, you can't beat that. I say all of the arts, and that goes for all of the arts. You know, the, the five elements of like hip hop, um, break dancing, uh, uh, movie, um, dance, um, hip hop, rap, beatboxing, and art, like spray painting and, and mm-hmm. you know, all forms of art. Them for me, expression is key. I love it. Absolutely. Love it, love it. Absolutely. Hey, hey Specs, um, man, we, we'd love if mm-hmm. we can down the track, we'd love you to be able to come back. Um, again and chat to us again and maybe bring if you can mm-hmm. some of the works or even some of the yeah, stuff that the kids put work. down like we'd we'd be oh, happy 100%. to have those guys we don't have, we'd be happy to have the kids come on and actually speak it themselves if they want to do that i mean we you know we can do it under oh, 100 man there'll be good practice names. for them as well like absolutely yeah. be good practice for them as well so like, they, like, they can still have that privacy technique. yeah 100 yeah, so well, I've actually, um, I'm starting, like, I did a course months ago, but I just haven't had the time. I did a course for RTRFM. I'm going to hold my own radio show. And the reason why I did that as well is so I could get our kids who are currently, you know, chose music as an elective to bring them down to the studio, show them what the radio world's like, because it's completely different to the live side and, and the producing side as well. So I've actually got a show next week, RTRFM, 1 to 4 a.m. Thursday morning. It's called The Wickedest Thing. So I'm going to be playing some student stuff on there. New stuff. You've got to play Australian kind of music as well. So, yeah. I'll put a link in for that. You can check that out. We'll put it on our socials, man. And hey, I can't, I can't say enough, brother. What you do is 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 something that that I know I don't have any skills to do, and it's something that I look at. And you you make a difference in the workplace we're in. You make a difference to, you know, to. Oh no, you guys. Let me say one. Let me say one thing right now for the listeners right now. You and Alicia. Oh, exactly the same, bro. I see the way you don't interact with these kids, and we're doing the same thing, bro. We are instilling hope and mm. some sort of some sort of you know acceptance for these kids. I see it across all the campuses. I saw it when you was at your one, I saw it when I was at Alicia. Us three, we got this thing that kids, young kids, they're drawn to. That's and it, you know yeah. what it is? It's real. It's the yes, realness. That's it. Yeah, it's you true. can't fake that shit. That's true. Yeah. And we've all it's got true. we've all got our own journeys and been through shit, and the kids can see that. And that, for me, is the best role model you can have. Specs, man, it's been, it's been amazing having you on here, brother. Um, it's been so good you sharing your story. Hey, Alyssa, before we say goodbye to Specs, can you give us a rundown as to our socials so that we know, people know where to get in contact with us and also how to uh, reach out to the great Specs man? 
Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So hit us up on our socials on Facebook or Messenger. So talking time with Lucas and Alicia. Um, send us an email at talkingtime at mail.com. Um, you can reach us on our personal LinkedIn account. So Lucas Kerry um, or Alicia Hebb. And can I ask that everybody show their support for us by going ahead, following and liking us on our socials. So on the Facebook page, um, go ahead and follow us on Spotify and Apple podcast so that you always get updates of um, our new episodes that come out. Um, go and follow us on Twitter at time underscore Lucas. And um, yeah, leave comments, you know, uh, let us know where you're listening um, to us and what you think of each episode. Um, we're always looking for feedback um, and, and always looking for anybody who's interested in coming on the show um, hey, as well. Alicia, since our last, since our last show, um, I mentioned the other day about how we had a listener in Fiji for the first yes. time. We funnily enough now, and I don't know how the hell it happened, we actually have a listener in Samoa. Now, I don't know whether that person just moved from <laughs> island to island or if they, uh, <laughs> or maybe again, maybe they uh, they pressed the wrong button when they were looking up something else on their uh on their Spotify, but hey, um, I, I can maybe they heard about this uh, spectacularly ruggedly handsome bald guy, and they thought they'd get on and, and listen to his voice. Are you talking about me? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I was talking about Alicia before she puts her wig on, but um, before I waxed the chest. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh well. Hey, thank you, Specs. Thank you, Specs and Alicia. Thank you guys as always. And uh, this has been you're welcome, brother talking time again for another week and we'll catch up again next Sunday, Leash. Yes. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. Can't wait. I get seven days without having to look at you again. <laughs> Have a good one. See you, buddy. It's not the worst Take thing. Care. That's how you. Right.